Aloha, and welcome back to the Healing Laughter Podcast, the show where we talk about all things narcissistic abuse. I'm your host, Katie Utterback. I'm a certified narcissistic abuse recovery coach at Elevated Aura, an international holistic coaching firm specializing in helping survivors of toxic relationships learn self-love and how to live their best life. All right, today I wanted to explore the very exciting topic of past lives with you. Specifically, let's talk about aliens and mermaids. Now, this is a topic, just disclaimer, I am slightly uncomfortable talking about. However, it is a topic that I knew when I created the podcast that I did want to bring it up because I have a lot of shit to say about this and I at the same time, have some fears regarding, you know, the judgments that I may incur for some of the shit that I have to say, some of the things that I have, that I believe. But as I was thinking about it, um, you know, I've, I've talked to you guys about Kongan water. I've talked to you about, you know, my belief that what you say, and even if it's in a jest or like joke or a sarcastic comment that like it affects your electromagnetic field around your heart and it brings things into your reality. So I'm like, okay, if I'm talking about that kind of stuff, really aliens and mermaids are not that much of a stretch. And like I said, when I created the podcast, I had every intention of talking about aliens and mermaids. So I was going to be talking about it soon anyway, given this is episode 17. But this morning when I was about to uh, record the podcast, I was just having some coffee, watching YouTube videos, and this video auto-played. And the reason that I was kind of like, it hit me was it wasn't just like a, a YouTube video on my own account. It was actually on my husband's account. And um, the reason I was on his account is because it was connected to our TV. And But it was an old interview. It was an old interview with the actress Shirley MacLaine. She was talking to Matt Lauer. And um, specifically, she was there to promote a movie. But then Matt Lauer was like, hey, you know, I know you kind of personally and you have a lot to say about your experience with past lives and you have no shame talking about your past lives. And she was like, yeah, like, damn, I'm an old woman and I hate being called a, a legend. I hate being called a comic, but I have so much to say about, you know, past lives and everything. And I was like, okay, that's a pretty big, big sign that maybe this is time for me to go ahead and go say what I need to say. So just for the sake of background purposes, when I started my healing journey, I did not I didn't believe that what I'm about to like share with you. I also didn't exactly realize that so much of my healing journey included spiritual components and that was because I didn't realize things like positive affirmations, meditation, manifestation, journaling, um, learning how to consciously respond versus react to what people say and do. I didn't realize that there was a spiritual component to so much of that. And I found myself just continually coming across messages from healers and teachers and guides. Like if you're reading this, if you're hearing this or watching this, it was intended, it was to be, you're on the right track. And so I was like, damn, cool, because so many of these messages were about healing and rising up to be your best self and loving yourself, even if everyone around you, like your spouse, your parents, your kids, like they don't get it. And so it was like this message that you're on the right track, like this is your synchronistic message that like you need to keep going. And because that's what I was working on, healing my self-esteem, uh, my relationship with myself, my confidence what I could expect from other people, what they could expect from me, like boundaries, right? 
all these synchronicities, these messages that I was on the right track, it not only kept me going, but they reminded me that there was a divine power out there, that I wasn't alone, that what I was going through, what I was doing by becoming estranged was actually a positive thing. And I was healing not only myself, but my ancestral lineage, not just forwards, but backwards. I kept thinking that these messages were telling me that I was doing the right thing. And it was this message that even though I had gone through something difficult and something that I viewed as traumatic, that we all experience our own dark night of the soul in our own way. And we have our own challenges that we have to rise above in order to remember who we really are. And the big thing for me was that I didn't think that after seeing all these messages that making the decision to become estranged, it didn't make me a bad person. So as I continued listening to these quantum healers, these spiritual guides, I started hearing more and more talk about aliens, about past lives, about angels, mermaids, unicorns, fairies, gnomes, and so much more. I won't lie to you. At first, when I heard all of this, I was actually a little bit bummed because these spiritual healers and, and guides who were telling me that I was on the right track started to just seem a little bit too uh, woo-woo, for lack of a better term, for me. But then it kept happening. Like everywhere I looked, everywhere I went, there was just some kind of message or image or description or talk about aliens, mermaids, or fairies. And not, like I said, not just in the form of posts on Pinterest or Instagram, um, like in a mermaid group chat or something, but it was just like in podcasts and from other healers, like including those whom I really would have never expected to be talking about things like fairies living in trees. Yet that was the situation that I found myself in. So I knew that I could no longer ignore this message from the universe about all of these magical beings when I was listening to a renowned childhood trauma expert at a virtual workshop I attended about a year ago. And even though the, the topic really had nothing to do with anything spiritual, it was really all about inner child trauma healing. And this worldwide renowned inner child healer who's from Ireland, she started talking about um, unicorns and how unicorns in particular are significant um, and they're a sign of healing, that she's on the right track. They're like a spirit guide and they send her all these messages. And what she said next like shocked me even more than her saying like, yes, like she sees unicorns, she believes in unicorns. It was that if you can hear the words like aliens, unicorns, mermaids, fairies, gnomes, and you can create this image in your mind, then you're spiritually awake on some level. Because that being, that that um, that creature, for lack of a better word, is a guide. Now, that doesn't mean that you're going to connect with, with all of these beings equally. So for me in particular, I don't actually resonate with unicorns. I would love to, but I most resonate with mermaids above all of these beings. So when I started exploring mermaids, um, like with the permission of an adult who saw mermaids as like more of a spiritual guide instead of something like I just continued to be attached to from childhood. Um, so I started to learn that when you resonate with mermaids, when you have a love, a deep, deep love of the water, that you have, you may have had a past life in what we know as ancient Atlantia or Lemuria. Now, many of you have likely heard of Atlantis. I know I had heard of Atlantis, but I didn't know what Lemuria was. And just 
From looking at the name, I wrongly assumed it had something to do with lemurs. Uh, but then another sign, one of these guides who I had stopped like following so intensely after she started talking about aliens and how we have these soul contracts that we agree to and we agree to all this like trauma and stuff so that we awaken and remember who we are. That was a lot for me to hear. But once I was able to digest that concept, and I kind of came around back uh, to some of these people, wouldn't you know it? Uh, one of these uh, guides actually released a song all about Lemuria. It's it's called Lemuria. <laughs> and so I started looking into it, and it was not a place for, for lemurs. It was actually a place where merpeople lived. And I looked into ancient Lemuria, and ancient Lemuria was located um, where we know of today as Kauai. So when I read that, I was like, oh, okay. Like my deep love for the water and the ocean, especially Hawaii and my obsession with Hawaii, like all of it started to just make more and more sense. So I kept going. I kept learning about Lemuria and Lemurians and what they were up to and what they would kind of do and what they looked like. And I learned that, you know, they interacted with dolphins and whales. They lived above the water. They lived below the water. Like they spent a lot of their day below the water and they used crystals and manifestation. Um, they communicated telepathically as well as with crystals. And all of this stuff, like as I kept reading it, it just like resonated with me and I wanted to learn more. It felt familiar. I didn't question it. Like communicating with crystals, I didn't question it. I was like, yes, that makes sense. How do I tap back into that energy? And I, like I said, I kept going. So I found that there are references to Lemuria and Lemurians in ancient Maya um, way back in, let's just call it ancient India, there's references to Lemuria and Lemurians. It's even thought that Lemurians created Sanskrit because they took their telepathic communications and after they left Lemuria and moved to what we know as India, they had to change how they communicated because not everybody that they were now interacting with was a Lemurian. So, one of the first, it, I should have looked this up. Is Sanskrit the oldest first written language? If it is, I mean, that's kind of interesting, right? So what happened to the Lemurians? Well, as the story goes, some 25,000 years ago, Atlantis and Lemuria were the two most highly civilized civilizations that existed on Earth. And as it goes, when there's any two powerhouses, any two people, any two opinions, really, there comes a time in which you disagree. So the Lemurians believed that the other less evolved cultures that existed on Earth should just kind of be left alone to continue their evolutionary uh, pace at their own, just going at your own pace, essentially. The Lemurians wanted every uh, culture to figure out their own understandings, their own path. Whereas Atlanteans believed the opposite. They believed that the less evolved culture should essentially just be controlled by the more evolved civilizations. And this difference in ideology resulted in several thermonuclear wars. And that basically just destroyed both Lemuria and Atlantis. And as a result, a lot of Lemurians and Atlanteans, like they moved. Um, some Lemurians moved 
into India. Some Lemurians moved into California. And this is where it gets interesting too, because it's thought that some Lemurians actually went and built a separate society inside Mount Shasta, where they would be safe from any sort of disruptions on the surface of the earth. So Mount Shasta, if you're not familiar, is in California. And it's a mountain that has a very like suspicious conspiracy theory kind of story vibe, whatever to it. If you look at pictures of Mount Shasta, it usually has some sort of cloud coverage at the top of it. And the cloud formations are always very interesting shapes. Like they are like circular in a way that if you were hiding a UFO, it's like 100% believable. Like it just, it just looks like something could very easily just be hidden by those clouds and the clouds are always there always so the other thing too is that people who have climbed Mount Shasta have said that they've had very like spiritual experiences but again this is where we start to get into like conspiracy theory territory and given that I have not climbed Mount Shasta uh at least not yet I can't really you know say anything more about that um but the reason that I wanted to share that I felt like um, I had this past life in Lemuria was because when I was listening to Shirley MacLaine say that she was on her way to film that low-budget movie and she saw a sign on the airplane that said Gateway to Atlantis and it was this really quick, subtle uh, gut response. That's how she described it. And it was like just like a flash of an image in her mind and this then this just kind of like overwhelming but subtle like gut response body vibe that like that's familiar and she was like okay I I was an Atlantean and so I was sitting there watching her and I'm like okay if Shirley MacLaine can go on the Today Show and say that she's an Atlantean well then it's totally safe for me to come on my own podcast and say that I'm a Lemurian and uh quite honestly it's highly possible that many of you who are listening to this right now are Lemurian or Atlantean as well. So I actually wanted to go over five signs that you're a Lemurian because there's so much more information about Atlantis and we've talked about Atlantis for so long in our culture that usually Atlanteans can kind of get that pickup or vibe uh, or remember just by kind of talking about it or hearing it. I've never actually been able to pick up on that from Atlantis, but I picked up on this stuff from Lemuria. So let's go over uh, five signs that you're Lemurian too. So number one, you're way more likely to trust your gut and listen to your intuition than you are to listen to intellect or any sort of analytical data. Number two, you love to be surrounded by a community of people, but not just any people, your people. And your people happen to be people who are very positive people who emit love. Number three, you're a natural born healer. So you're likely drawn to healing arts like sound healing, yoga, massage, homeopathy, uh, herbalism, body work, and Ayurveda. So sign number four, you're likely an incredible communicator. This goes back to what I was saying. Like they, the Lemurians communicated with crystals and they also communicated telepathically. So you're somebody who's able to tap into the that emotional feeling and you're able to express yourself and communicate um, 
more so than other people. And you can communicate through writing, speaking, music, social media, and so much more. And this is a big one. Sign number five, you are a dancer and are drawn to music. Now, you don't have to be a professional dancer, but you have to be um, – what this means is that, like, you're somebody that's just drawn to music. Like, if you hear a beat, there's a good chance that your hips are moving. So Lemurians saw the healing powers of music and dance as a staple in their civilization, which is why dance and music were just, like – it's just a regular, everyday part of life. Um, that's why it's such a big clue or sign. Like, if you're somebody that is always listening to music – or it's a part of your everyday routine, you just feel good when you dance, you just are always dancing. Um, like I said, you don't have to be a professional. That might be a big clue for you. And if you're interested in tribal dances like Polynesian dance or belly dancing, uh, drum circles, that's you know a big sign. And if you essentially resonate with this idea of being a mermaid, and if we look at just the the breakdown of the word itself, mermaid. Well, a maid is a servant and mer is of the sea. So servant of the sea is essentially what the root of mermaid means. And as a servant of the sea, you might be somebody who feels connected and responsible to protect the oceans and make sure that there's awareness for access to clean drinking water. And you might feel that responsibility uh, more so on your shoulders than other people would. And that's because we live on a water planet. Earth is a water planet. We are predominantly water. Even humans, our bodies are predominantly made of water. And if we look at our oceans, we know far less about the ocean than we do about space, actually. So it's highly likely that there are millions of species, like a whole bunch of consciousness energy that's just in the ocean that we have no idea. It's just waiting to be discovered. So you can see why there would be an interest in, you know, not only just preserving the water, but preserving the planet, not just for the sake of humanity, but for like a global reason. You can see why if we are the water planet, there would be other species who would also have an interest in preserving that, especially, you know, we don't know, like I said, what exists in our waters. We have no idea what lies below that. Who knows? So not only once I started looking into all of this information, did I start connecting with water in a different way, but As I started thinking about, you know, like what lies below the earth's surface, what lies below the water, I started wondering, and I was also influenced by a movie, yes, but like are there aliens that live under the water? Because I started reading and people were saying that, you know, dolphins might be a spirit guide. And I've also read like documentaries and seen things about like octopus in particular, um, Octopus are a big one for me. I don't know how anybody could eat an octopus um, because they're so intelligent. If you haven't seen the documentary, My Friend the Octopus, please, please watch it. Um, I'm slightly going to spoil it, but watching an octopus save a human was wild. And watching the, the octopus, even before it got to that moment where it was like willing to sacrifice itself for a human, like it just wanted to learn. It was curious. It was curious in the way that I'm curious. Like 
I like if I see a bug, for example, I don't necessarily want to get up close to the bug. Like, oh, this is a good we had a beetle, like a giant ass beetle on our window the other day. And it was on the other side of the screen. So I felt safe enough to kind of look at it. But that's kind of the vibe that like the octopus had was which was like, okay, here's this really big human. I kind of am curious, but I don't want to get too close because I don't know how it's going to interact with me. I don't know which way it's going to go, right? Like it seems a fair thing to think about a human, just like I thought about the beetle. So not only did I start connecting with water in a different way, but I really started to resonate with aliens. And after I allowed myself to just kind of succumb to the synchronicity, just let my mind go where it wanted to go. I really started to resonate with aliens after I learned that there was a term called starseeds. Now, starseeds are aliens who essentially choose to reincarnate on earth as humans. And the whole idea is that these starseeds are here to help the humans awaken spiritually and save planet earth from destruction. So I started reading that. I was getting total Lemurian vibes. And I started to think like, okay, yeah, maybe maybe there's something there. So like Lemuria, it's highly possible that if you're listening to this, that you're a starseed. So I wanted to run over 25 signs that you might be a starseed. And the reason there are so many um, is because there are actually different types of starseeds. But we'll get into that after I run through this list. So pay attention as I'm reading through this list and really try to pay attention to your body, how your body responds and resonates when I'm going through this list. So sign number one, you feel different from other people and you have felt different from other people from a very young age. Number two, you have ADD, ADHD, autism, or you may have some other sort of hyperactivity or antisocial tendencies. So starseeds tend to be the more shy, introverted, creative kids. Uh, sign number three, you may have become a vegetarian at a young age. Starseeds have a deep love and respect for animals and nature. So even if your parents are not a vegetarian, this is some an idea that you may have pushed for even as a young kid. Uh, Number four, you're intelligent, but you get bored easily. Number five, you're drawn to the topics of spirituality, metaphysics, and other dimensions. Number six, you may have psychic gifts. You might see ghosts or UFOs, for example. You might see aliens or angels. You might have premonitions. You might be able to channel. You might be a telepath, or maybe you have some sort of energy healing capabilities. Sign number seven, deep down, you feel like you have a purpose or a mission to fulfill. Now, you may not know what that is, but you just feel it deep within your bones. Number eight, you are very empathetic to others. You're probably somebody who can pick up on something even if nobody's talking about it. Number nine, you have very intense and vivid dreams. Number 10, you have trouble sleeping. Number 11, you often see repeating numbers and other synchronicities. Number 12, you might feel different, lonely, or isolated and have a desire to go home, especially when you're looking up at the stars. So let me just explain this one. You might actually be somebody who like you're sitting on your couch at your own home or in your apartment or wherever 
and you have this like feeling like you want to go home, but you are in your like physical home, if that makes any sense. So related is number 13. Homesickness is kind of a constant feeling for you. The thing that might snap you out of it was actually hearing a term like starseed or looking up at the stars. If that's something that makes you feel not homesick, you might be a starseed. Number 14, naturally people are drawn to you, including strangers. They might just come up to you and start sharing their life story or a problem. Uh, Number 15, animals are drawn to you and you are energized by nature. Number 16, you enjoy deep conversations and small talk is just BS to you. Number 17, people are often disinterested and cold toward you when they first meet you. You're often thought to be uh, weird, eccentric, and you can't seem to be, uh, you can't seem to blend in no matter how hard you try. Number 18, large large crowds are not a turn on for you. Number 19, you have few friends, but once you resonate with someone, you're kind of hooked for life. Number 20, you're an old soul. You know it. Others have said it too. Number 21, your body feels like a physical limit to you. You may often feel stuck somewhere inside of it and just try to get out. I actually, I've felt that one before. Number 22, your body doesn't seem to function normally and you are the medical exception frequently. Okay, so I actually want to explain this one as well. So what this one means is kind of, uh, I'm going to give you an example. So as a kid, I had strep throat like all the time. So I got to a point where I could just feel based on how I swallowed whether or not I had strep throat. And it got so bad um, that like I would go into like urgent care and the doctors would start arguing with me and say like I was too old to have strep throat. That was one of them. Uh, Another one said, you don't have a fever. And that started to become like this big trend was that you don't have a fever, you can't have strep throat. Well, nine times out of 10, I'm just going to give one to the medical community. I had strep throat. Like my rapid test would come back positive that I had strep throat, not like the 24 hour, like, oh yeah, it turned into strep throat. Like I'm talking about, that was actually one time even I just opened my mouth and they were like, oh, you have strep throat. So even if I didn't exactly match it because I didn't have a fever, I had strep throat. So that's what I mean. You're a medical exception frequently. Uh, You have a high sensitivity to extreme temperatures. So you don't like extreme cold. You also don't like extreme hot. You bruise easily and you may have bruises, scratches, or other marks that you don't recall getting. And last but not least, birthmarks. You you may have birthmarks uh, that form some side of some sort of pattern or design and freckles might do that too. So you might have like uh, some sort of pattern or design that forms from freckles on your body. So those are like the 25 signs to kind of figure out if you're a star seed. So I, I was reading through that list and I was like, wow, so much of this resonates with me, especially some of the more like obscure ones, like the medical exception, uh, just wanting to try and get out of my body, feeling homesick when I'm at my own house. Then I I kept reading, I kept studying, and I learned the term Pleiadians. And I heard more and more uh, spiritual teachers and guides, they started using that term. So for a while, I started to think like, oh, starseeds, Pleiadians, it's just like this interchangeable alien term. And I thought that that's just how people referred to like the Galactic Federation, the group of aliens that helps protect uh, Earth. I just thought like, Oh, you know, like it's just depending on <laughs> like where you learn. Maybe it's a star seed, maybe it's a Pleiadian. Well, uh, no, 
<laughs> so it turns out that in the Galactic Federation, there are just many types of starseeds, and Pleiadians are just one kind of starseed. So other starseed varieties other than Pleiadians are, uh, would include like Andromedans, Lyrans, Orion, Arcturians, Avians, Reptilians, and uh, Styrian, oh, Syrian starseeds. So I started looking more and more into the different types of starseeds. And what I discovered was that how your body responds to the types of starseeds is supposed to kind of clue you in as to what you may be currently or what you may have had a uh, past life experience as. So for me, when I hear the term Pleiadian or I read that word, I have like a full body resonance with that word. It's like my body's interest is piqued in a way that even if my mind like didn't exactly uh, fully grasp what was going on, like my body is like fully ready <laughs> to go. And I actually have the complete opposite body response when I heard reptilian uh, the first couple times. I'm actually getting better now, but I couldn't even say that word. I had to practice before the podcast because I would just have like full body like shivers. Like my body would just like, ugh, I can't, ugh, it's happening. Okay. <laughs> so I looked into what reptilians are and they're essentially like the dark workers of the starseeds. So they're very highly intelligent beings, but they're also super deceptive and manipulative. They like to, um, they're mind controllers, essentially. They operate in fear, uh, in shame, guilt, jealousy, and anger. Who does that remind you of? Not narcissists. No. And <laughs> the reptilians are the ones that try to keep humanity asleep, and they try to keep humanity from evolving consciously because they're operating from the ego. So reptilians are very power hungry. They're so power hungry that they actually reincarnate in the same family over and over and over in order to gather more and more power. So reptilians are described as being enmeshed, which is a term that you might be familiar with if you've been listening to the show or if you are a survivor of narcissistic abuse. Um, so because enmeshment, reptilian, all this shit makes my skin crawl, it's highly likely that I grew up surrounded by reptilians, or at least a reptilian. And as a Pleiadian, it's possible that I was hoping to wake them up, break that ego spell of grabbing more power, and instead choose love, choose light. Now, as a as a Pleiadian, it wasn't just, you know, these these terms um, that and this body resonance that made me feel this connection to Pleiadians. Uh, check this out. So Pleiadians are from a group of stars in the Taurus constellation. Now, I personally am a Taurus sun and a Taurus moon. So astrologically, I am ruled by Taurus more so than any other sign, which puts me right up in that Taurus constellation. And the star group that Pleiadians are from specifically within the Taurus constellation is known as the Seven Sisters. If you don't know, seven is actually my favorite number. And check this out, this last one. Pleiadians are thought to have inhabited Earth since the time of, wait for it, Lemuria. So anyway, the whole goal for Pleiadians on Earth is to help humanity remember that we're all one. We're all equal regardless of gender, color, economic status, or sexual preference. It's all about love, baby. 
So physically, I don't exactly match the Pleiadian look. They're supposed to be very tall, very slim. However, they're also supposed to be very like Nordic Scandinavian in their appearance, very uh, light hair, light skin, which I do have. And the other thing that they're supposed to have, another physical characteristic that stood out to me, was they have perfectly symmetrical features. Now, the reason that this characteristic stood out to me is because one time I actually was told that I have a perfectly symmetrical face. And that is something that I remember because nobody had ever said that to me before and nobody has ever said that to me again. And uh, the person who actually told this to me, how all of this happened kind of stood out too because... I was actually having a reading done with a psychic and I had gone with my sister and her husband and the psychic actually got distracted during my sister's reading and she kept getting distracted with me, unfortunately. And the psychic kept saying that I had a very strong pull, a telepathic pull specifically. And then she kept saying that I had a perfectly symmetrical face. She also told me to lose 50 pounds, but <laughs> anyway, so what I've been learning on the spiritual journey that's now merged with my healing journey is how sometimes you have to trust your gut. And when something resonates, even if no one immediately around you understands it or if they think it's weird, there's a growing number of us who are connecting online and remembering who we are and what we came to this earth to do. Now, since I discovered the term Pleiadian, I've come to find a wonderful spiritual guide who actually channels messages directly from the Pleiadians. And as hard as it may be for me to say these things out loud sometimes, for fear of the judgment, right? For fear that everybody's going to think that I've just gone like one over the cuckoo's nest or something or, you know, <laughs> who knows? But I highly recognize that a lot of this stuff has been labeled as conspiracy theories and defunct. Like some people have even uh, tried to claim that La Maria never existed, all this stuff. That's what I'm talking. That's why I'm actually talking about it, why I feel this deep connection with it, why I actually do believe it, even though, you know, the History Channel says otherwise. And it's because, you know, when Bracca comes on and shares a message from the Pleiadians, it's always about love and compassion and understanding. Um, I actually listened to one yesterday and it always starts and ends with, dear ones, we love you so, so very much. And the other thing that I kept thinking about was how Lemurians used crystals. They used crystals to communicate for healing. And so many of us, myself included, do the same shit to this day. We use crystals to protect ourselves. We use crystals to clear our houses of bad energy. We use crystals to help our heart's deepest desires come true, like to manifest money, to manifest love, to manifest babies and jobs and whatever else is in your heart, whatever else you're dreaming about. I mean, even right before I recorded this podcast, I actually saw a news headline that a hot new furniture item is actually luxury crystal furniture. So I guess celebrities uh, and rappers are now buying chairs made of crystal rock for, I'm hoping, the healing properties as well as a status symbol of who has the biggest crystal. So, I mean, it's really not a competition of who has the biggest crystal because crystals speak differently to different people. That's why it's so important, honestly, to pick out your own crystal and not just 
take them from other people all the time. You want to make sure that you're buying at least the type of crystal that resonates with you or the specific crystal that speaks to you, that calls to you. Because when we entered the age of Aquarius in December, December 2020, spirituality, meditation, healing, all these people got interested in it. It got glamorized. It got cheapened in a sense because when we upgraded our dimension from 3D to 5D last December, we all went to the 5D realm regardless if you did the work to up-level and become evolved consciously or not. So because everyone was upgraded regardless of consciousness, it somewhat cheapened the 5D realm from what it was in its pure form. And as a result, we're starting to see spiritual con artists, um, people who are not purely evolved or awakened. It's more of like a egoic spiritual awakening. So it's all about money, right? They These people may not have credentials. They just are in it for the fame, the glory, attention, all of that. But if you've done this work, you know that it's it's not about the money. It's not about the fame. It's all about healing. It's all about doing the work to believe in yourself, to believe in your worth, regardless of what you weigh, of what you do for a living, where you live, what you look like, who you pray to, or who you fuck. Because this is not easy work at all. It takes a lot of determination, hard work, patience, endurance, grit, and love to be a better person and to step into your higher self. There's a lot of crying. There's a lot of dark parts of your your soul, your life that you have to face. And it's a lot of choosing to be compassionate, choosing to be love. I know that I've promised myself that now that I'm awake, I will continue to do this work and I will continue to do everything that I can, everything that I need to do in order to be my best self every single day of my life. And as I do that, I can feel myself connecting back to these past lives. And I'm embracing it. I'm embracing that I've had a past life or possibly multiple lives as a Lemurian, maybe even a Pleiadian. And what's interesting is since I started embracing all of this, in the past uh, few days, I've actually started connecting with a, a new energy, angels, again, in a way that I haven't since I was actually in preschool. Now, I can actually put a timestamp on that because I'm having these memories of myself as a young kid. And I actually forgot until I had one of these memories that I used to complain about pain in my shoulder specifically in my back, my shoulder, it felt like it was popped out way too far. And I remember telling people that my angel wings were not put away fully. I didn't know what a shoulder blade was. I only knew it was my angel wing. And now when I think about what I said as a kid, and I think about all of these experiences that I've had in life, I really can't help but wonder just how much that preschool Katie, that little Katie, knew about my past lives and about the universe. And one thing that I'm actually really excited about now after listening to Shirley MacLaine speak is she said that when you get older, your short-term memory, yes, it starts to fade. 
But these stories, these memories from your youth, and not just your youth, but your past lives, well, those, those start to become clearer and clearer. That's our show today. And remember, you deserve healing from narcissistic abuse because you are fucking worth it. And I love you. If you have any questions about narcissistic abuse or the recovery journey that you would like to have answered on the show, please send an email to katie at elevatedaura.com or submit a voice message on the Healing Laughter Anger podcast homepage. For any other questions, please visit elevatedaura.com.